What's up, listeners? Tyler here from The Bottom Three with your quick one-minute preview of this week's episode, Start That Clock. It's an off-season wrap-up episode brought to you by The Bottom Three. Josh is out this week, so naturally Colin and I kick off the episode by giving him a hard time. Colin's into his American football season, and I'm crossing big things off the wedding planning list. Plus, a dangerous encounter has the boys discussing scary beasts. The soccer talk starts with the closing of the transfer window and recaps of the moves made by the big clubs. Then, the bottom three look ahead at the EPL season and make predictions on top four, bottom three, player of the year, and golden boot. Listen in to find out how Colin and Tyler include an absent Josh and to hear Colin's heartfelt message for all EPL fans as we start the 2018-2019 season. And with that, we bring to you and hope you enjoy this week's episode of The Bottom Three. Oh, the bottom three's got the ball. Josh passes it to Colin. Colin fakes it. Nutmeg! Nutmeg! Josh is back. He's got the ball. Oh, he's fallen over. What a bitch! Oh, Tyler comes in. Tyler's got the ball. Tyler fakes right. Gives it to Tyler. Nope. Tyler's got the ball again. He passed it to himself. He gives it to Colin. Colin heads it to Josh. Josh pushes it in and... Goal! The bottom three! Hello and welcome to The Bottom Three, an EPL podcast made with MLS quality and full of whatever else comes to mind. A special edition, our first ever non-Josh podcast. So, what's up, Colin? What's going on, Tyler? Oh, you know, just holding down the fort with you uh, because Josh is, as I said in a text earlier today, out gallivanting in Chillville and can't, you know, take an hour of his own time to... uh hang out with us and chat a little bit about soccer. Um, he's been so busy with work lately, and that's usually been the, the problem for us kind of trying to record along with the time change, of course. Um, but now that he was on the East Coast and wasn't working, he still somehow could not find time for the bottom three. How do you feel about that, Colin? Uh, yeah, I kind of had the questions you did at first. I was like, wait, you're on vacation, so you can't do it? But, like, within the country vacation? Like, wait, what? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like I was in Europe and that makes sense. But, uh, East Coast at Hilton Head, where you're just kind of hanging out, uh, I feel like he probably could have hustled a little harder and helped out. For sure. Uh, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think the, the, the thing that really bothers me, you know, just to rant a little bit about our good friend, Josh, if we can still consider him that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, uh, not only did he not make time for us and for this podcast, uh, he he would pressure us and ask us why we weren't recording and use many exclamation marks in the group text and was just, you know, making us feel bad for when I had work or when our schedules didn't, you know, link up together. Uh, what's going on over there, Colin? <laughs> I accidentally hit the Bluetooth speaker and spun it all around so that oh, gotcha, you might go gotcha. a little quiet for a second there. <laughs> Um, but anyway, point is, Josh not only couldn't make this happen, but then he had to, he had the gall to, mm-hmm. you know, try to order us around uh, yeah. from, from, from afar via text message. Oh yeah. He's, uh, he's like super excited about it, but not excited enough to participate and find a yeah. way to get yeah. it done. He just, <laughs> he just, you know, just cracking the whip and making us do all, all the work over and, here. And just sending like us. Always. 
uh, cell phone videos to use instead of his actual voice. This is true. I am, I have to admit, despite all this and the ranting, uh, I am a little excited to try this. Um, he did send us some videos with some opinions about some questions we'll be asking later while we look ahead at the English Premier League season. Um, I'm curious if he worked in any little nuggets for us, uh, anything for us to laugh at or make fun of him for. Uh, so we'll uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll be listening to them for the first time along with everyone listening. Oh, you haven't watched uh, these the either. Podcast. I knew I, I hadn't. You hadn't watched them either. Yeah, no. Oh. No, I haven't either. Surprises yeah, so all around. Be, it'll be live. Uh, so hopefully they're not total crap <laughs> that we could have, <laughs> yeah. you know, Start out from the pod, uh, but we'll see. We can always cut it, I guess, if he's if he's uh, his normal terrible self. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Just kidding, just All right, that's enough. That's enough ripping on Josh. I feel a little bad. Uh, we do miss him, and we'll try to do as best as we can to uh, stay afloat here. I will try my hand at some analysis. Uh, typically, not my role on the podcast, but. I'll do what I can and uh, fill in where I can. Colin is wincing a little bit at the idea of that, but, uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, do the most of it, that's for sure. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> so uh, what uh, what do you uh, got for us from the weekend? Do you have do you have any uh, big things that happened? Uh, so it's football season now. We're in training camp. I think I've mentioned Hallelujah. before. I do, uh, <laughs> I do coach at a small college, and we started our kids' first wave of kids reported last Wednesday, so... Uh, Saturday we did get out early and, and got some time off till Sunday afternoon. But other than that, it's been 11, 12 hour days, you know, in the office till seven thirty to morning till about seven at night, um, including the meals, which free meals is awesome. Not paying for any <laughs> booze. So I'm saving some money this week and next week, um, until yeah, school yeah. starts back up. But, uh, yeah, so just getting the team out there and practicing and filming meetings and getting the next stuff ready and, also, getting ready for my golf outing that I'm in charge of, what, a week from Saturday. So, um, nice. a lot of stuff going on, but staying nice and busy, and uh, it's been good. It's been hot as hell outside. Yeah. But uh, yeah, today was a little kidding. toasty. Um, we did get lightning short uh, delayed here uh, this afternoon. There was one that came out of nowhere, but that was uh, – yeah, so I'm staying pretty busy with that. This weekend, that little time I did get off was pretty chill. Um, How are you feeling about the season? How are you feeling about the guys out there? Oh, it's it's good. We're getting better. Um, good. Our defense is sick, nasty. In case anybody does actually listen to this, who knows what I'm talking about? Our uh, <laughs> about uh, my school and everything. But our defense is really good. Offensively, we got a new coordinator um, who's got a lot of experience, and uh, I think that's going to really help once we get the get going uh, with that. You know, we're still only nine practices in, so um, we're getting there. We're getting there. I think. Nice. Hopefully. By the time uh, we kick off August 25th, uh, we'll be rolling uh, on both sides of the ball and special teams included. So, yeah, we'll see. Good, good stuff. Uh, one thing I'm excited about uh, is getting to come up and watch you coach for a game when your family's in town. Uh, but then also one of your bye weeks syncs up with mm. a Florida game at home. Uh, I am a Florida Gator grad, and I got to bring Colin and uh, my now fiance Shay up to Gainesville last year to see Florida play Tennessee yeah. and win on a Hail Mary, which is amazing. Um, but this year we're looking at the Kentucky game and we're going to hopefully get you up there for that too. Uh, so we can 
get you in the swamp for night game. But I know you have a busy schedule the next day. You'll have to get back. Yeah, hopefully it'll work out. I don't know what our schedule is going to be like by that point. You know, it'll be yeah the bye week. That's our third week. We got one kind of early this year. Um, but yeah, hopefully I can make it work and get back Sunday morning without too much damage. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and we uh, we would have a full rowdy weekend planned. Airbnb already booked. Multiple people already yeah. involved. Uh, I believe it will be one of our friends' birthdays. Uh, oh shit! As well. Um, so I think we're, we're looking to have a, a great rowdy weekend and lots of tailgating and, uh, all that. And hopefully a Gator win to go with it. Pretty excited about, uh, American football season to get started too. Um, before we get into English Premier League football, uh, starting a little bit about the weekend, uh, Shay and I now have a venue for our wedding. So a little wedding update there, Woo-hoo! uh, and a date. Yeah. So we're, we're super pumped. About that, uh, one of the biggest, most stressful kind of decisions to make out of the way. Uh, so we're slowly crossing those decisions off the list, uh, and it's been fun. Um, our venue is really cool. It's like an old theater that has been renovated. Um, it's got this like amazing painted brick wall, and it's kind of that like industrial feel, but um, you know, n- not this pristine type like ballroom location, which is perfect for us. We kind of have this like greenery industrial theme going so found the perfect venue found a good date uh in in march of next year so coming quick but uh um, we'll keep everybody updated with how that's going i also have a bone to pick with you and josh about last podcast uh i'm not going to get into that now because i need josh to be here Mm. for that and i need i need in particular to to rip him apart uh and the whole premise of this just to kind of tease my all-out rant that's already happened on text message after the pod was posted, and I realized just how much I got gypped uh, from getting to talk about my proposal uh, and engagement to Shay, um, but also the lack of help that I got from Josh in talking about that in particular. So I, I'm going to wait to rant about that with him uh, on the pod whenever that'll be, but... Uh, uh, but yeah, hold tight, everybody, because uh, <laughs> I, I have a real big bone to pick with with him in particular. I was looking forward to his uh, his reaction to you saying there. Oh, we got this industrial greenery theme going. I figured that would have got a few chuckles out of out of him. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, "What exactly is that?" I mean, we don't even know what if that's that a phrase mean? that people use. But we like industrial, and then we like greenery, and we tried Googling industrial greenery <laughs> wedding, and every picture that came up on Google Images looked exactly like what we wanted. So we're like, okay, this must be an actual thing, but who knows? Uh, but yeah, he, he probably would laugh at that a little bit, that's for sure. Uh, um, so anyway, that was one of the big things that happened this weekend, kind of got that venue locked down, so that was great. And then the other thing, I went boating, uh, I went pontooning to be specific, with uh, some of our friends uh, and some all, all, who also happen to be uh, co-workers of Shea. And uh, we were up in Astor, Florida, which is like middle of nowhere, Florida. Uh, apologies if anyone's listening from Astor. <laughs> Loved it up there. It was a lot of fun. But I, I've only been there one other time, and it was to go pontooning uh, <laughs> on a different occasion. Um, but this time, it was, it was uh, we had one interesting experience that happened. So we were... Uh, you know, cruise along, we kind of go through this canal and then across this really long lake. Um, and on the western side of the lake, there's a few different uh, other canals that kind of come into the lake. And a lot of them are spring fed. And so we had pulled off into one of them, parked the boat. There were like 
easily probably a hundred boats um, along this canal that were all kind of parked and everybody's just hanging out. Some people are grilling, uh, you know, music's playing, all sorts of different types of people. It was really interesting, but uh, everyone was definitely just there to have a good time and hanging out in the Florida sunshine, get a little swimming in, all that kind of stuff. So we swim for a little bit after setting anchor and then the girls are on these little like floaty raft things. And of course there's only three for the three girls and there are no more for the guys. <laughs> and we get then tasked with pushing them and swimming them through this canal and over towards the spring. So we could all go like experience the spring and see how clear the water was and all that. Well, on the way back. So imagine pushing your significant other on a raft for a decent amount of like yardage or however you want it, <laughs> nautical miles. Leagues. It was a decent distance. And then having to kind of like tread water because you don't have a floaty. And then also like the spring creates a current. So you're kind of like trying to keep them in place against this small current. Then starting to swim back on the way back. We noticed people kind of like dispersing from an area. Oh no. There was a water moccasin just swimming across the canal, coming right into the path that we were pushing all the girls into. Yeah. And we're just like, we realized that people are, so they start to say like, it's a snake, it's a snake. And so now we're like hectically trying to paddle everybody out of the way of the path of the snake, which, you know, you can kind of try to guess where it's going to go, but it's got a mind of its own. So who knows? Is it going to turn right, left? Like, is it going to follow you? Whatever. Um, but for those who aren't familiar, water, water moccasins are highly poisonous snakes, uh, and will, you know, definitely bite a friend. So that was a little bit of a, of an exciting adventure, but everything ended up being safe. We got the girls out of the path of the water moccasin. Um, it kind of just crossed the canal, didn't really bother anybody. Everyone kind of just got out of its way and, uh, everyone went on their merry way. But it made me think, Colin, I have a question for you. Mm. Of all of the beasts in the world, uh, the typical ones that people are afraid of, maybe spiders, maybe snakes, uh, I'm trying to think of any other ones that would come to mind. Some people are really afraid of bats for whatever reason. Mm. I'm curious, which one would you like to encounter the least? The least? Like a really poisonous snake, maybe, I guess? Yeah. Because like, like, part of me is yeah. like... Party thinks like something huge that would really rip you apart, but then it'd be like, well, at least I died by some big badass bear ripping me to shreds or something, you know? <laughs> That's a great point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you die by a snake bite, like this little, you know, it's poisonous, but it's smaller than you are. Like that's not, that's not a tough way to go out. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Actually, and the reason why I ask is because I spent a little bit of time thinking about this too. And to me, snakes are, they're so like unpredictable in a way, you know, mm. they're like, they're slithery, they're small, they're kind of hard to see, but they're, they, they pack a deadly punch versus like, I don't know, you're like walking through the woods and oh, I mean, you could definitely stumble upon a bear yeah, or whatever, but it's, it's not going to, I guess it could sneak up on you, but still like, like you said, there's also the aspect of like, well, hell, like if I'm going to die by a bear, like the world will be like, holy crap, that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's like tragic, but like also awesome. And, uh, but like a snake, like, I don't know. And they're just, they're so small, but like a, like a spider also could be deadly, but True. you could easily grab a shoe and like smash it. Uh, you can't really do that with a, with a yeah. snake as, as easily, you know, you could try, but it's probably just going to piss it off. Yeah. Oh yeah. For yeah. sure. So 
So anyway, just a just a little question. I was curious. A little, a little interesting question. We'll have to ask Josh uh, what what scares him most. I know. Uh, quick question for you: <laughs> snake or clown? Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I hate clowns, man. That's, that's... <laughs> yeah, I know you do. <laughs> yeah, that's probably number one. Like, no, get away. I think it's fair to say, uh, Colin, w- it has no plans anytime soon of ever going to Halloween Horror. Oh no, <laughs> especially when Killer Clowns is a, a a thing. No. Yeah, yeah, for real. No, I'm good. Yeah, I don't know. Jo- I think Josh has been to one. Uh, but I don't think it's his favorite thing either. It's also not my favorite thing, but it is Shay's favorite thing. Yeah. So I kind of bite the bullet every year and I go one time. It's usually fun for me, but I just rather, you know, spend my $90 or whatever on something else. No kidding. Like maybe, maybe a new Liverpool kit or, you know, uh, trip to the, like Top Golf or something like just something like way more fun to me. Uh, yeah. but hey. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. I still got that Top Golf gift certificate from your parents from Christmas because we I still haven't gone yet. <laughs> You're right, though. We do need to do that. Though. Unpredictable. What can I say? All right. Well, uh, let's uh, see what your predictions are for the English Premier League this season. But first, we'll transition to transfer deadline. Uh, transfer deadline for English Premier League this year ended today. Today we were recording. It's Thursday, right? Yes. Um. And the season starts this weekend. It so kicks we off tomorrow to... with Man United in West Ham. Or not West Ham. Jesus. Uh, dang, uh, I didn't realize that. I not West Ham. Saturday. We play West Ham but... Sunday. Sorry. Uh, they, Man U host uh, John Lester. Lester. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it starts on Friday. So I was assuming it was Saturday, but that makes sense. You know what they say about people who assume. Um <laughs> Well, anyway, we'll start with the transfer deadline. Then we'll get into some predictions later on. Uh, we'll bring Josh's videos into the fold and react accordingly. And then maybe, depending on if he's available or not, that sly fox of a man, uh, we'll try to maybe give him a phone call and see if he wants to chat for a few <laughs> minutes at the end of the podcast. Um, but anyway, starting with the transfer deadline, let's, uh, let's go kind of in order of the way that the teams finished, uh, last season kind of get your thoughts on overall transfer kind of grade, maybe uh, their ins and their outs. Um, I'll try to highlight for you um, some of the main ins and outs of each team as we go. And we'll just kind of do the top six and then we'll talk about some other like major storylines for the rest of the league mm. um, from there on out. So starting with Man City, a big transfer in with Mares from Leicester. Um, looks like they also got Daniel Arzani from Melbourne City. Claudio Gomez from Paris Saint-Germain and Felipe Sandler from PEC Zawol. I've never even heard of that team. Have you? No. Um, so basically those last three names are youth type guys. The Arzani guy from Melbourne City, that's all part of the city group. They own that team as well. They've immediately loaned him out to Celtic um, in Scotland. So pretty much it's just Mares there in terms of people that will be affecting their first team uh, this season, you would think. Makes sense. And then on the outside, uh, we have Joe Hart to Burnley, Yaya Torre out of contract. Yeah. Um, skimming the list here for any other big names. Not you, really. 
Yeah, I was going to say, any other big ones you want to talk about? Mostly youngsters going out. The only one would be Jack Harrison, formerly of MLS, NYCFC. Um, again, part of that city group family or whatever. They loaned him out to Leeds United in championship. But other than that, now it's mostly young guys on the outgoings uh, as well. Guys who aren't, again, not really going to impact that first team squad. They're going to look a lot like they did last year. Just uh, We talked about Mars a little bit on the last one. 60 million pounds to bring him in to bolster an attack that didn't need a lot of strengthening. So strength to strength. Um, yep. I still don't think he starts in there when Raheem Sterling is back, you know, and back to full speed after the World Cup. Um, but everybody needs depth um, in terms, especially if you're going to try and compete to re- defend your Premier League title. Um, I'll probably come back to this later in the pod. No team has defended the Premier League title in over a decade. Um, wow. Nobody's won back-to-back, so it's a hard thing to do. And then City want to win the Champions League. That's been their number one aim, that ownership group. That's what they want to do is win the Champions League. That's their pre- So they're going to try and compete on all these fronts. You need that depth, and they're, they're going to be strong, as, strong again once again this season. Yeah, overall for Manchester City, it seems to me like a, a good off season in the way that they didn't need to make too many moves, mm-hmm. um, and they they made one uh, with Mares that was a big positive for you know like you said supporting a strength of the strength. Um, but I think one of the other storylines would maybe just be being able to hold on to their players. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much pressure there was to lose anyone, but mm-hmm. um, you know to to just keep your squad. I think in today's uh, game of football where there's all this crazy money floating around, uh, coaxing players to leave teams and go to other ones. I think that there's something to be said there for Man City holding on to the squad that won the Premier League last year. Yeah, usually the top teams in England when they're so dominant, and especially historically dominant team like Man City were last season reaching 100 points, Real Madrid's and Barcelona will be linked with your players, especially the Kevin De Bruyne. Is, um, but he's not. He re-upped his contract, and now part of that may be because Man City are paying guys the salaries it's you know not just the transfer fees they're paying them the wages um that are competitive with anyone in the world and that may be part of it and then also they're working for guardiola who is a considered probably the best manager in the world so that's a pretty attractive proposition you're at a place that's got money is on the up and up and i guess you could sell to those guys kind of creating a new club tradition man city have been around for a long time but as recently as like 20 years ago, they were in, you know, they had been relegated. Um, and now they're one of the world powers because of this, you know, this new ownership group that came in, spent a lot of money and built them up um, to where they are now. So it, it, I can see it as an attractive prospect for, for guys that want to try and create something new and then also get paid very well doing it. Makes sense. Uh, the second place group from last year, Manchester United has a slightly different storyline. Um, especially from our opinions in the uh, managerial department, um, <laughs> at least in terms of annoyance factor. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Mourinho pretty high for us. Um, not sure as many players in the world would be dying to play for him as they would be for Pep Guardiola. Um, however, they did have a few signings um, this offseason, namely Fred from yeah. Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah. Um, a couple other guys. I can't say I recognize Don't worry. Him, but that might not be saying much. Basically a youth team right back and a third team goalie. Or not third team, third string goalkeeper, the other two signings. That's um you mentioned Mourinho in Man United. These guys have been the storyline of this last couple of weeks in particular because he's been making all those quotes in the papers. We talked about it on the last pod and he's continued with some of that. Um and you mentioned it's interesting, you mentioned people wanting to play for him versus wanting to play for someone like a Guardiola. 
Well, there's talks they were turned down by a lot, a large number of center backs. Um, Jerome Boateng of Bayern Munich was one in the last few days that had been rumored. Diego Godin of Atletico Madrid, who's perennially underrated center back, probably he's one of the best in the world, but he plays for Atletico Madrid instead of Real, so he doesn't get as much attention. He turned them down. Um, they couldn't get Toby Alderweireld across the line. It didn't seem to even get close, really, or uh, Maguire, Harry Maguire from uh, Leicester now, uh, played in the World Cup for England. Um, so, yeah, it seems to be that either a couple of things. One, people don't necessarily seem to want to play for them. Or two, does the United board really want to back him and, and spend big money on signings? Um, and if you are a big money signing guy, you know, it's it's the year three. We, I talked about on the last pod, year three, Mourinho never makes it past year three with these big clubs. Um, so you worry if you go sign for a guy and he's out the door, what your future would then lie if you sign a long-term contract. Um, I guess I could go ahead and say now. I, I kind of teased to it last week. I don't, I don't think he'll be Man United's manager this time next year. I think he may make it through the season, but I just got a feeling that things won't go as well as they hope, and they may look to move on next summer. Hot take from Colin, but I can definitely see the argument, and I think I agree with you. Um, on the outside for Manchester United, I no names popped for me. Um, were there any big bigger ones or ones that you think will kind of affect the side? Uh, from people that they lost in the offseason? Um, the only names that Premier League regular fans would know is Daly Blind. Um, this kind of midfielder played uh, left back at times for him. Um, and then Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick had been around that team for a long, long time. He was the captain. Um, he's actually now, I believe, joined uh, Mourinho's coaching staff. So he's still there. Um, the rest of those names are, again, younger guys kind of getting sent out to smaller clubs, really. Um, so not a lot outgoing from them either. Um you know, and, and again, Fred is that their their marquee signing, but he's kind of quiet just because he is more of a, a central midfielder. You know, he's not going to chip in with tons of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, also, kind of another storyline with Manchester United. I noticed uh, some press about Pogba wanting to leave. Yeah. Um, and supposedly being courted by some other big clubs. Do you think? Uh, the, since the window closes, I, I, this is actually just informational for me and educational. Since the window in the English Premier League is closed, does that mean the players can't be sold to clubs outside of the English Premier League? No, so that's something that's new. Um, the Premier League voted last year to move up the window closing um, to before the season starts. In the past, it had always gone to like right before, like around that first international break. Um, if you remember last year, Liverpool uh, played against Arsenal and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain in the last game before the international break and then signed him on deadline day. Um, so his yeah. last game for Arsenal was against his future team. Um, and then other other teams wanted to do that. But the problem is, across Europe, they still have their deadline days back. So that, that's created some issues here for the England teams because, one, everybody knows they're in a hurry to get their – they ha- had to get it done today if they were going to do it. And now if you could pressure some of these guys, excuse me, you know, that they could face from outside sources. If, if you're forced to somehow sell a guy – these next few weeks, you can't go replace them, um, even in the last second move, because it's done for being able to register players for your team for this coming season uh, until the January window. So um, it's definitely a different dynamic this year. There's already talk that the Premier League's going to vote to maybe move it back again next year, but there's also <laughs> a report that uh, FIFA may look to uh, make kind of a, a uniform type window to where everybody's window closes the day before their season starts. Now, different seasons start different weekends, so it would still be a little bit different per league. Um, but to get that, that was something that was getting reported today over in uh, the UK. 
So then, as it pertains to Pogba, what do you think the storylines are there? Uh, I don't think Man United can would let him go. I think that they would let Mourinho go before they let Pogba go. They spent so much money. Um, I think it was 88 million pounds, about 100 million euros, to bring him back to the club after they let him go for free a few years ago. Um, Barcelona apparently are interested. Um, PSG is one that's been linked because he is French. Um, the interesting one to me, and I'm not the first person who said this, um, the Pogba to Barcelona one, this kind of feels like what Barcelona did with numerous signings in the past, like Coutinho. They kind of start courting them before they actually want to buy them. They start, you know, throwing the rumors out there, getting it in the media, start to do the courtship, you know, a year, six months, 18 months before they actually are ready to go and buy. Um, so that this could be something that Barcelona may be prepared to come in next summer with that mega offer to try and tempt them uh, to leave. I don't know that he would leave United if, um, again, his relationship with Mourinho has not been great. Supposedly, I think it may be on the up. Um, I know a French reporter who's on ESPN FC has adamant that Pogba does not want to leave United and thinks this is his agent just kind of angling for stuff. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I think for his sake, I mean... <laughs> Manchester United are considered the most valuable club in the world now. Again, I think even over Real Madrid uh, in the latest Forbes rankings, so many guys are attracted to that Barcelona and Real Madrid still, though. Um, it's better weather um, in in two very famous clubs. And that pull Barcelona, we've seen it with Liverpool um, in the past, can be too much for even the Manchester United of the world. They, they lost Cristiano Ronaldo to Real Madrid nine years ago, um, despite winning Champions Leagues and leagues uh, there in Manchester. So... I don't, I don't see him going anytime, especially not in the next three weeks when they can't replace him. But that might be something to look out for next summer uh, and maybe even beyond that. But I don't think United would want to let him go. They're too big of a club to, to, to just let him go like that, especially when you don't know if their manager's on real solid ground and he's going to be around too long. One place he definitely did not go. It was Tottenham because nobody went to Tottenham yeah. uh, in this offseason. They had no signings coming in and had two players leaving. A couple youngsters. Uh, yeah, two two youngsters by the look of it. Um, how do you how do you break this down? Do you think this was their plan? Do you think people didn't want to go? Like, wh- What do you think happened in Tottenham in the offseason? So this is the first time since the transfer window was invented. In, I think it was 2003. Before that, you could basically just sign players whenever type thing um, is my understanding. And first time in the Premier League era that no one has brought in another player. I think one team uh, previous year had a loan move at least, but they didn't sign anybody. Uh, Tottenham have made zero moves coming in. It's first time ever. Um, I think they, they re-signed Pochettino back in what May or June, about a week after he had made comments about needing to get their business done early this summer. So clearly he thought that they needed to make some signings. Uh, he's come out this week and said he likes his squad. He's happy with his squad as is. I think that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> I think he's trying to appease um, the ownership group. I think they're being handcuffed a little bit by their new stadium move. I talked about it months ago on the pod. Um, they're And actually Liverpool will be the first opponent in that new stadium uh, about a month after the season starts. But that stadium was initially supposed to be, I think, like 400 million pounds less than what it ended up costing them. Um, and Tottenham mm-hmm. are not one of the big cash-rich clubs to begin with. They're not a traditional, consistent power, as they have been the last few years in the top four. Um, Arsenal 
fans, people familiar with the Premier League the last decade or so, when Arsenal moved into their new stadium, they didn't spend big money on transfers for years, really, until Mesut Ozil a few years ago was really when they kind of moved beyond that to an extent. You just wonder if that's going to affect Spurs. And plus, Spurs don't really spend big on transfers to begin with, but to not bring anyone in, I think they're risking – you risk stagnation um, – the old adage of you, 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 you only, there's no staying the same. You only improve or you get worse. Um, they, they haven't improved. You know, the teams around them are making moves. Even United signed Fred, at least. Um, you know, I, I think that's a serious risk. And good news for them, they didn't lose any of their big players because that was, would have been a concern. Harry Kane re-upped um, his contract and a couple other guys re-signed as well. So that's the positive news for them. However, I think they're going to be a little bit... Um, a little bit down from what they have been, especially considering they've got so many guys coming back late to camp from the World Cup because they had so many guys involved in those final matches at the World Cup for England, for Belgium, um, France even. And I just think that the slow start could could really hurt them this year and it might just end up being too much to, to come back from, um, especially, again, they still just lacking cover for Harry Kane, really. Yeah. I think uh, it's great that you brought up the point again that they were able to hold on to their players because I remember uh, back when the season was wrapping up, uh, we discussed at length a few times mm-hmm. our thoughts that there was going to be a mass exodus from Tottenham and that yeah. they were going to lose a bunch of their top players and they was, all hell was going to break loose for the team. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, maybe this offseason is kind of a win for them. Uh, maybe not necessarily, like you said, a move to improve. Um, but things could have been much, much worse uh, at Tottenham come the end of this signing period than mm-hmm. it looks right now, though there isn't a lot necessarily to be excited about from a newness perspective. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's still a win, but I think there's still Tottenham fans freaking out right now because they're worried yeah, that their sure. window they, – they, they got to be worried eventually that, that they are missing their, missing their window, excuse me. Um just, you know, that there's only so long where you can keep that core group of players together and sustain success. They still haven't won a trophy, neither of Liverpool as well, and we'll get on to them later. Um, but you just wonder if, you know, they're missing the boat this summer by not bringing at least somebody in uh, to strengthen the field. Because Moussa Dembele in center midfield isn't what he was two years ago. He was dominant in midfield. And, again, we always say it every summer, they, they could use a backup to Harry Kane because when he gets hurt, it's a different team. Uh, they did better last year covering for him. Um, but it's still not playing in the same way that, that they're able to when he's in the team. That's for sure. Hard to replace a man who scores so many goals, no. that's for sure. Um, but moving on to a different team that you mentioned, Liverpool, who uh, has a few men who score a lot of goals. Yeah. Uh, and adding potentially a few more. Uh, we've talked a little bit already. As the signings have come in, Liverpool started off early and kept them coming. Um, big signings with Alisson from Roma as, as the new number one goalkeeper. Naby Keita from uh, Lesbig, uh, Shakiri from Stoke, and Fabinho from Monaco. Um, I, I mispronounced. Uh, it's How do you say it? Leipzig? Leipzig. Leipzig. Over Leipzig. in Germany, yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, four huge signings. Um, for Liverpool. Some might be disappointed that there wasn't a fifth uh, with Nabil Fakir um, since that was such a, what seemed to be a done deal at certain points. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously still a very, very strong class coming in. On the outside, before we kind of dive a little bit more into it, Emery Chan uh, leaving to go to Juventus. 
Uh, Danny Ings, notable, obviously, loaned mm-hmm. to Southampton. Uh, other than that, though, a few young players, Ben Woodburn, uh, a backup keeper, Danny Ward, and some really young players yeah. <laughs> um, on loans and out to other clubs. So basically just kind of Chan leaving and four huge signings coming in. So we've since we've talked about it at length, uh, do you just want to kind of summarize some quick things about um, about the signings and then about the non-signing for Nabil Fakir? Yeah, I just wonder if the Fakir – so it – it definitely sounds like there was a dodgy knee issue, and the club's just like, no. Um, despite reports saying they might go back in, it sure, from some of the reporters close to the club, it sounds like they they were done. Um, and as much as that probably pained them because they did get so close, I mean, they filmed an interview with him, with, had the shirt on and everything. Um, that probably hurt them. And I wonder if the reason we didn't get a replacement for him, somebody to fill that other signing, is I wonder if that money didn't, didn't go towards the Allison uh Transfer. Um, I wonder if that wasn't necessarily in their plans because they thought Allison was going to be too expensive for them. That price dropped um, what they were being quoted um, over the course of you know February to to July when they made the move. Um, and Jordan Shakiri has looked amazing in the few preseason games he's played. He may end up being the signing summer just on a pure basis of what he cost. 13 and a half yeah. million pounds, which is a steal. I mean, we sold the, Danny Ings is on loan to Southampton for the first year. I put air quotes around it because next summer they have to buy him for at least 18 million pounds plus an additional two and, uh, in add ons. So it'll be 20 million pounds probably next summer. Uh, wow. and we paid what two thirds of that for Jordan Shakiri, who, uh, is a proven international, um, and looks classy. He's taken to this team, I think, quicker than anybody thought. And it's all based on preseason, but, um, I but think still, he's I mean, he scores a bicycle kick yeah. uh, on, for his first goal. He has an assist in that same game. He has a beautiful assist in the last preseason yeah. game uh, that I happened to catch that one as well. Um, and seems to have a connection with Daniel Sturridge, which might be another reason why the Nabil Fakir signing, uh, you know, might not hurt as hard for for some of the yeah. for some of the people who are wanting it. Um, looking good, obviously, always has injury concerns. Um, and as you've mentioned, uh, since you've been a longer time fan and or more familiar, uh, he tends to do this <laughs> where he looks great in the preseason and then gets injured or something happens. But this year feels, I, mean, I will say this year feels have, different. He's, he's scored six goals this preseason. He's looked even sharper. He's, uh, maybe they found a way to, to be able to train him. You know, it's different. It sounds like they're training, he's training different schedule than the rest of the team because of his body, but. It feels different, and I'm ready to have my heart broken again. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in, and I'm sh- surely it'll happen at some point. But hopefully, it's the old if he can stay fit thing. Um, then Liverpool have the best backup striker in the league, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, if he can stay on current form, there there's he, talent wise has always been there. It's it's just his body's failed him. Um, wow, if he if you just can dream if if, if he stays healthy and can do what he's been doing this preseason um, through the course of a year. Um, you know, we still got Roberto Firmino. Um, if he could give him more of a breather, I mean, and be, or just be an impact sub off the bench, even in big games. Um, God, I mean, it's not transfer related, but man, yeah, that's one that's <laughs> the train just continues to build up and build up steam. Everybody's just like, Oh my God, Sturge. I mean, almost everybody's on board now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that will be super exciting to watch during the season. Uh, I, for one, uh, think that the um, the fact that he was loaned last year, uh, I think has done a lot for his psyche as well. 
from what I've read. It seems mm. like he just has this new appreciation yeah. for Liverpool. Um, I think probably the knowledge that he would be coming off the bench uh, if he were to get playing time um, has kind of sunk in for him as well. And he seems to be more okay with that from what I've heard. Um, so th- those are all great things as, as well. And uh, again, like to try to link this to the transfer talk that we're, that we're having, I, I think it, it helps kind of, you know, lessen the sting of something that could have been with Fakir, mm. um, all, but all due to just, again, somebody else's body kind of failing them. Yeah. Um, having kind of Sturridge, you know, take, take that spot or, you know, regain his spot or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on to the next team, we'll talk about uh, Chelsea. Oof. Chelsea looking like, wow, that's an interesting I name. knew you were going to struggle with that pronunciation, I'm as would any it. of us. Why not? Kepa, mm-hmm. R-E, let's see, Ari Zabalagala? Ari Zabalagala. Ari Zabalagala. Oh, Balaga, you're right. Balaga. Ar- I don't know. <laughs> Arisa Balaga. <laughs> anyway. We'll call from, him Kepa. Uh, at, yeah, Keep, from Kepa athletic, the Keeper. Uh, is it Bilbao? Yeah. Uh, Mateo, is it Ko- Kovacic? Kovacic, right? I think. Yeah. Jorginho and Rob Green <laughs> uh, coming in. Courtois probably headlining the out. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, and then any other players you want to mention on the outside? Just Matt Miazga because he's a U.S. international. Uh, goes out on loan once again. This time to France, so a little bit higher loan move for him as opposed to last year he was in, uh, I believe it would have been the Dutch league. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's a bunch of youngsters that they loan out. Every year they loan out 30 kids because they just don't have a route to the first team there at Chelsea. Yeah, the big news is the keeper the keeper exchange there. Uh, Courtois had been at him and they wanted to go to Madrid. He goes for $35 million, which is pretty cheap but he also only had one year left on the deal so that is impacted on that value but the big news was that they go out and get this Kepa from Athletic Bilbao he's 23 year old he was Spain's third choice keeper of the World Cup um, they went and broke the goalkeeper transfer record that Allison uh, yeah. Liverpool had just paid for Allison um, for a guy who's um, 23 and not as much experience although Allison we talked about it only had you know really one year of playing for Rome as the first team keeper this guy's younger, he's less proven, but he seems to be a good keeper from what all I've read. But now all of a sudden, they paid that release clause for him. That's how they got him. You know, um, the Spanish contracts all have to have a release clause, and they met that massive release clause. I think in Euros, it was like 80 million, something like that, um, like 71 million Jeez, pounds. That's insane. Um, and so, yeah, so now they'll have at least they got someone. It's a move they needed to make to get someone up that they think is near that quality because Courtois when he is at his best is one of the world's best easily. Now there's people who didn't think he was at his best by any means this last year. And I tend to agree with that. But um, the biggest news for me for Chelsea is that they did not lose Aiden Hazard. Um, There's talks that Real Madrid were going to try and make him one of the replacements for Ronaldo. Um, He made some, some, some sounds that he wanted to go to Real Madrid. Um, but apparently he didn't agitate enough um, and Madrid were not going to stump up the kind of cash that it would uh, take to pry him away um, and, and send him off to Madrid. So I think that's the big news for Chelsea. Um, the the thing for Chelsea this season is, is we've talked about the manager coming in late. We've talked about Jorginho. They did, they pipped Man City to get Jorginho as a big signing. And then obviously the goalkeeper, Mary Ground, um, 
how quickly will they be able to adapt to Sarri's tactics as the manager? Um, they didn't look very good in the community shield against Manchester City last week. Both teams were missing plenty of players, um, but they just didn't look very very sound. I, I worry for them going to the 4-3-3. Um, they found a success under Antonio Conte being a three at the back team. Um, David Luiz played for Chelsea in that community shield. I don't know if he's going to be first choice or not. Um, but then they're also – Marcus Alonso was an outstanding wing back. He was a mid, like a wide midfielder um, in Spain prior to coming over to England, and he, he kind of worked in that system. Because as a wing back, you're not quite as defensive as a true left back in most systems at least. I worry about him being a true left back and having David Luiz right there next to him, um, having a young goalkeeper behind them. Um, I think they could have used some solidifying in the middle. And then the other thing that I, is how are they going to line up in midfield? Uh, Kovacic from Real Madrid, he's been a bench player at Real Madrid. He's young, um, but he's a good player. Um, him, Jorginho, and Conte, how do they fit in this 4-3-3? Because Jorginho is clearly bought to be – he's a number six. He's a holding mid, but he's a playmaking number six. He's the guy who's going to make the passes – um, Conte, N'Golo Conte has been one of the best players in the Premier League for the last three years as a defensive midfielder. Now he's a very different size. He's more of your tackling, doing the physical stuff. He covers so much ground. Uh, I wonder if taking him out of that holding role and putting him into a more central position, I wonder how they're going to be able to work together. I, If Chelsea can get it going, I think they'll be excellent, but I just I think it's going to take them too long to get going to, to really – to really threaten at the top end, uh, you know, pushing for a title by any means. Moving on to wrap up the bottom or the bottom six, <laughs> the top six from last year, uh, Arsenal. What are your headlines from their offseason? Yeah, so they made a bunch of moves early. There was talks they were trying to get Usmane Dembele from Barcelona uh, here in the last couple of days. That uh, ended up not being fruitful for them uh, as he stayed there in Barcelona. Um, they made some experience signings, you know. Um, they got a couple guys on freeze. Um, good luck pronouncing the names, but um, Socrates yeah. from Borussia Dortmund. He's a center back. He played for Klopp years ago, and he's an aging guy. Licksteiner is an older fullback. He's in his 30s as well. They got him from Juventus. Um, Burned Leno. I don't know a ton about him. I know he was a decently rated goalie in FIFA a couple years ago. <laughs> and then Lucas Torreira, um, midfielder from Uruguay. A lot of people seem to be raving about him. I don't know much about him. He came from the Italian league. Um, so some solid signings. Um, very unarsenally in terms of going for more experienced guys. I worry about. Well, two, I don't see where Licksteiner plays because he plays right back and Hector Bellerin is still right there at Arsenal and he's not going to not play over this guy. But I worry about the pace at the back. I still worry about their center backs. I talked about Socrates um, from Dortmund coming over. He's going to partner with Mustafi, who hasn't had a great uh, time at Arsenal. I think they're still weak at the back. I think you're, you're clinging to hope for Arsenal fans would be that, that front three, however they are set up, of... Ozil and then Lacazette and Aubameyang. Aubameyang, this will be his first full season in the Premier League, having a preseason under the new manager. Um, you hope that they're going to light up the scoreboard. And I think they very well could. Aubameyang is lightning quick, still in his prime. Uh, Lacazette, uh, you know, has another year in England under his belt now. Um, still scored some goals despite not always starting last year. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how Arsenal end up. I think they did make some sod moves. I just... You wonder if it's going to be enough for them to get back into their uh, vaunted top four spot that they always uh, desire so much. The the probably the biggest news for Arsenal fans in the last week um, was the unfortunate takeover of 
the guy who's the main owner there already, um, basically forced to take over of the rest of the remaining stake, uh, the shareholders. So basically, it's a publicly traded uh, club. Fans had like shares of the club, but basically, somehow I didn't read too many of the details. But basically, the dude's taken over now and basically taking all those shares back. I don't know how it worked, but he's he's basically made all that stuff worthless and he's going to run the show now. And he, Arsenal fans didn't like him to begin with. Didn't think he invested money into the club. Didn't think he cared. He's just an American who's there to invest and make money off the club. He's not there to make them win things. So um, I think that's a sad day for Arsenal fans from the sound of it. Um, and that's probably their biggest concern right now. But going into the season, I think they will have a little optimism, you know, with Unai Emery as a good coach. Maybe things didn't work out for him at PSG the way he'd hoped, but he had a track record at Sevilla. And um, they should at least be able to score goals. I just don't know if they're yeah, going to be Yeah, it sounds like to... they do have some exciting yeah. uh, components, some new things to look forward to with some of these signings. New coach, first season, uh, you know, not under Arsene Wenger in quite some time. Uh so some new and uh, intriguing things to look out for with Arsenal as the season progresses. We'll also progress with this transfer league talk quickly uh, outside of the top six finishers from last year, um, namely Everton, making mm-hmm. some big moves today at the end of the, the transfer window. Uh, you want to talk about them a little bit and then let us know if there were any other big moves um, from any of the other clubs that sure. you think are worth uh, spending just a bit of time talking on. And then we need to get to our... Yeah. predictions looking ahead into the uh, next Premier League season that starts on Friday. Yeah, Everton um, spending some money here. Um, the the big moves today, uh, they signed Yeri Mina from uh, Barcelona. We talked about it. He's only been at Barca for six months. Um, Barcelona tripled uh, their money on what they paid for him just six months ago. <laughs> um, they didn't yeah. really feel like he f- was going to be able to play for them. But he had a good World Cup. Um, some bigger teams were linked. Man United apparently were keen, but obviously didn't think highly enough of him to pursue him instead of some of the big names they failed with. Um, they also picked up Andre Gomez uh, from Barcelona on loan. Um, they're paying a loan fee to get him in for the year midfielder. Hasn't never quite clicked at the camp now. And then they picked up Bernard, a Brazilian winger who was actually on a free from Shakhtar Donetsk is where he's coming from the Ukraine. Um, so some good moves. Um, the only thing I would worry about is Bernard was on a free transfer and he didn't sign until deadline day. So there must not have been a ton of competition from top level clubs on him. Um, Yerry Mina is a, a good prospect. He's, he's not going to be real pacey, which against some of the top teams might hurt him as well. But um, they upgraded that defense. They definitely needed that def- um they also signed a left back from Barcelona last week, Lucas Digne. Um, didn't really ever play for Barcelona much, but um, still was signed by them in the first place. So obviously, lots of business done with Barcelona. Exactly. The, the jokes over <laughs> in England of is Barcelona the Everton of Spain or is Everton the Barcelona of England now? Um, but um, yeah, so they made moves that I think they need to make. It'll be an intriguing move, uh, team this year under Marco Silva. Um, and you wonder if they're going to be able to threaten that top six that seems to have a hold on the Premier League or if they'll be remain, you know, kind of the best of the rest. And then uh, in terms of two other teams that have really caught the eye is the two, two of the three newly promoted sides, um, Wolves and Fulham. Um, Wolves, we've talked about before, their Portuguese connection that sounds a little shady from, um, they picked up the Portuguese national team goalkeeper um, and made some other big moves as well this season. That would be uh, probably the biggest one. Um, and in Fulham, um, they picked up uh, Jean-Michael 
or I don't know if it's Michael, Jean Seri is his last name, S-E-R-I. Um, he was actually linked with Barcelona and Liverpool last summer. Um, quite the midfielder from Nice uh, in France. Um, they signed him and then picked up Andre Schürrle from... Uh, he came from Dortmund. He's played in the Premier League before with Chelsea um, for longtime fans of the league. Um, both teams spending some money. Um, and, and both were good in the championship last season. Wolves ran away with the, the championship last year, uh, the second division there in England. Um, I think both those teams are really going to be pushing to be more than just avoid relegation, but are going to be pushing for mid-table. All right. Um that wraps up the transfer talk. So lots of moves, uh, lots of excitement here at the end of the transfer window today. It seemed like my phone was buzzing all day at work with uh, announcement after announcement of signings being made, and half of them seemed to be by Everton. Yeah. Uh, but but um, all, uh, all things to look forward to as this season progresses. Um, we'll progress here on the pod by moving on to talk about some predictions we have for this season. But first, to give Colin a break from talking, because uh, obviously he's much more of the analyst than I, um, I want to make sure I remember to remind everyone who listens uh, where they can follow us on social media. Um, you guys can interact with us, ask us questions, follow us, like our stuff, subscribe, all that on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. We are at the bottom three pod. Uh, the three is a number, so at the bottom three pod. You can also... Uh, listen to us, subscribe, and uh, comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, and then if you're really feeling freaky, you can send <laughs> us an email to our Gmail account, Whoa. which is just uh, at – I don't even remember what it is. What is it? Called? We haven't even said it in a while because we just gave up on it. Uh, I think it's it's the bottom three at gmail.com. It was before we branded with right. the pod at before the end. Before we went yeah. with the pod. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so – the bottom three at gmail.com if you're feeling a little uh, risque with the email, a little uh, old school, if you will. Um, otherwise, slide into our DMs, uh, comment on our post, and uh, just hit us up. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, ask us some questions. We love to interact with the fans and make sure we're answering uh, the questions that you want answered on the podcast. So with that, I have some questions for both you and Josh. And the first one is, Who's going to finish top four this year? And uh, let's let's go to Josh with the video first yeah. so we can listen to what he has to say and then react. So the first one, so we've got an original top four he sent the other day, which was two-minute long video. And then we've got an amended top four he sent today post-transfer deadline. So we will start here with his original top four uh, remarks. All right. Everybody keeps asking me, Josh, what is your Premier League top four? So here it is. Coming in at number four, I have maybe a surprise. Arsenal, like some of the things they've done this offseason, and I think the new coach can maybe reinvigorate the ground. And uh, honestly, not as much about liking them as disliking some others. So I'm going to go with Arsenal at number four. Coming in at number three, maybe another surprise. I think Manchester United comes in at number three. Obviously, some bad offseason headlines for them. Um, but I think that... Ultimately, the talent will come through. They do have talented players. It just kind of seems like it's setting up for them to, everybody thinks they're going to have a terrible season. Maybe they come back and have a decent season. And Manchester United, number three. Number two, have Liverpool. Um, made huge strides. Obviously, very excited about the team. But don't know if they have enough this year um, because the number one team, Man City, really hasn't had any uh, – key departures and um, really any turbulence and I think that 
it's going to take you know 90 plus point season from Liverpool to get on top and I know they have more depth but ultimately I don't think they have enough to get there yet with some of the experience of the players who have on the side so with that I like Man City 1 Liverpool 2 Manchester United 3 Arsenal 4 I think another surprise I have down further obviously that leaves Spurs and Chelsea out I don't even think either of those teams finish 5th I actually like Crosstown rivals Everton to make a serious run at the top four this year. Pickford coming off with some supreme confidence and obviously uh, shown the new boss, Marco Silva, that they have a willingness to make a run at it by some of the purchases in the offseason. So I think that uh, carries Everton on to a good season. He'll maybe flirt for the top four, but come up just short. Wow. So, there's wow. His- so that's a that's a big initial uh, top four prediction there from Josh. Before we get into his revised top four, whatever that means, I'm curious to see what it means. Um, I, w- I would like to point out he used a lot of airplane terminology there, a little uh, departure, a little <laughs> turbulence. Uh, uh, maybe he's just, uh, you know, that jet setter life. Josh, just such a big shot, just flying across country all the time. It's uh, seeping into his vocabulary, if you will. I happen to notice. It, it, the one thing I want to – I'm not going to give mine till uh, we finish his, but the one thing he said there that was about United was interesting to me and in that he's he said maybe a surprise in terms of thinking it would be surprising if United still finished third. And then he, he, he you know wrapped up by saying it, they could still have a decent little season. And for Manchester United, third's not a decent season. Like they, If they're not gunning for titles, like then that's not a good season for them. And it's been – not good seasons since Alex Ferguson left. They've they're the biggest club in the world. They want to claim in 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 terms of value, and they they Forbes seems to rank them that way. Um, then they want to be yeah the Dallas Cowboys argument in the NFL yeah. is the same way, and like I just never get that. I don't understand yeah. how that makes any sense. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but um, I don't I don't think they're I don't think third is a decent season. I don't think they'll their fans will accept that as a decent season. They. It's been too long. They got to get back to to be in the penultimate, or they they risk. Uh, and people have said this before. This is not like some new hot take I came up with, uh, but they they risk running uh, what happened to Liverpool in the nineties happening to them. Liverpool's last title was in nineteen ninety before the Premier League became the Premier League. It was still the first division back then. Um, they weren't able to transition with the times and and the the incoming money and all that stuff. They were poorly ran and. Um, as we sit here 28 years later, still haven't won a league title. Um, if United go too long without winning one, you start to worry about, is this happening to us? Um, they're too big of a club to be trying to compete just to finish in the top four. But um, you ready to move on to his amended top four? Yeah, no, that, just to quickly piggyback on what you said, um, I thought that was interesting too. But I think he's absolutely right. Like, it. Well, I guess what I, I guess my point is actually that he's that he's wrong. I don't I don't think it's that's surprising to think of Manchester United finishing third or lower. Right. Um, I, I think I could see them. I could see them potentially missing top four. I, I don't know if it will yeah. happen, but I, I think it's a potential. And even even though it is you know early, obviously it's preseason still uh, for another day. Um, I think it's super troubling for a club of that stature. That looking into the season, uh, I think a lot of people would probably agree with us that they, even though they finished second last year, um, with some of the moves that have been made around the league and with what some of the other teams are doing, 
uh, with the, the kind of the status of their manager talking in the news all the time, the way he does. Um, I don't think it's out of the question to for people to be predicting that they fall out of mm-hmm. the top four this year, um, which is very troublesome, but we'll have to wait and see. All right, let's listen to Josh's revised top four and see what, what he revised exactly. All right, gang, real quickly, I got to amend my top four picks. I sent in my takes yesterday before the transfer day deadline. If you've listened, you heard that I picked Everton to finish fifth and Arsenal to sneak into the top four at fourth today with today's events. Arsenal not getting their man in Dembele, Everton seemingly getting everybody they wanted in Mina. Bernard and Andre Gomez. So I am going for it, and I have Everton finishing fourth in the Premier League this year. Wow. Is he just trying to go for hot takes? Because holy crap. Yeah. Uh, I. It's funny, as I was thinking of like my top four and what I'm going to say when we talk about it, which I guess is right now. Yeah. Um, with the signings that happened... I don't know if I would go out as far as to predict that Everton finishes fourth, um, but it's part of the conversation. How do you feel about it? I I feel they'll finish seventh, and they might try and push whoever's at the bottom of the top six. They might push them for sixth maybe, but I think they'll be there solid in seventh, which is an improvement, but it, it, they'll strengthen themselves as kind of that next Best of the rest. Uh, they could push for sixth. I don't. There's no way they're getting top four. They still don't have. I don't think they've got you know a, what it takes up top necessarily. I, they're they're good players, but I don't think they're top four type signings. You know they're very good signings. I don't think it's enough to get them into the Champions League though. But got it. Who I, do, I do you like think their makes the Champions League next year, Con? Oh, I'm not gonna lie. I've gone back and forth on this, and I still haven't even decided. Um, I just know my top two. <laughs> Um, I know my top two. So let's go ahead and go. Um, I, I, part of me, I've been back. The team that's really made me go back for this Arsenal that Josh did originally had picked. I, I, I could see them with the goals of Aubameyang and Lacazette being up there. I just defensively, they're so weak, but I feel like that's going to be a talking point of quite a number of the teams in the Premier League this year is just, there's not as many great defenses as there once was. Um, as I talk my way through this here. Let's go ahead and go Arsenal in fourth. Screw it, I'm gonna go for the yeah. Screw it, yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll go for the Homer picks. Why not? Um, we'll go Spurs in third. <laughs> uh, Man City in second, and Liverpool to bring home that elusive league title. I love it. I love it. Uh, I don't know how I... good I feel about it, except for one and two. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I think for me, and I, I have to be honest, like this is also this is really tough for me as well. Um, I think one, two. I'm gonna go Liverpool, Man City. I think it's kind of like a one A, one B situation sure. uh, for me with the two of them. Um, Man City, obviously, last year looked dominant. Uh, they're not very changed in this coming season. If anything, uh, they've. Um, you know, gotten better by staying with the same team and the, and the same manager and not, you know, having any turbulence or departures, as Josh mentioned. Um, and it's hard to argue against anyone who argues that they think that Man City would finish first again. 
Yeah. Um, you brought up earlier that no one's repeated in the last 10 years. Yeah. Or in over a decade. Yeah. Said, actually. Um, so that, I mean, that can be a compelling argument against, but I think for me, it's more just about what Liverpool's done, the vibe around the team, the atmosphere, um, that Klopp kind of has created with the whole club, uh, is just one of great excitement of, exciting players of fun players of a team that seems to gel mm-hmm. the bench is deeper we have some key people um returning from injuries so i i just think with liverpool um it's i just want to i want to will it to happen yeah. so it's a homer pick for me but uh number one i think liverpool number two man city i think the more exciting um i keep using that word a lot this podcast but the the more uh interesting and intriguing conversation is who's going to finish three and four yeah um i think we we all kind of have variation i i want to put man U out of the top four yeah. like you did um i think i'm going to have them to go out of order finishing fourth I'll, i'm just trying to push yeah. it up keep everybody on their toes i'll be honest with you i i i think man U will probably make the top four i just i I don't feel great about Spurs, but I did. It's it's like you know what? I might as well just go all the way and pick what I want to happen more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's kind of like what I did with my pick of Liverpool. Um, and then for third, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say Arsenal. Um, oh. I think with some of the signings they've had, uh, with a new manager, with just a new feel around the club, I think maybe they'll be able to shake some of those cobwebs and uh, get over kind of a hump. Uh, they finished, if I'm remembering correctly, last season uh, fairly strong. Um, and yeah, I think maybe they'll just build on that and continue to, uh, climb. So that would leave Chelsea on the outside looking in for me and Tottenham on the outside looking in of the top six from this year. Though I think for me, the most likely out of those to to jump someone and land in the top four would be Tottenham. It's Um, crazy. We're all basically picking Chelsea to be sixth. And I'll be honest, a few days ago, I was almost about to buy well, maybe about a week ago I was almost like you know what I could see them doing it they were they're poor last year they're never poor two years in a row um I I was tempted but yeah at the end of the day I just don't think there's enough time to get settled in it may take another year for them to get going with sorry but then by then Aiden Hazard might be deuces up and gone to Madrid but um We'll see. It's going to be an interesting season uh, in the Premier League for sure. You kept saying exciting. Well, I mean, it's that time of the year where it is excitement. Everything is possible. Um, the season hasn't kicked off. All your hopes and dreams for any of the teams are still alive. Um, so it's it's definitely definitely the overriding emotion, I think, for a lot of fans right now. Yeah, looking forward to this first weekend for sure. Um, also looking forward to the remainder of these videos from Josh. Mm-hmm. How much time do we have? Just out of curiosity. We're at a minute and almost five – or an hour and five minutes is what we've gone right now. So we've got – All right. So let's cruise through this and we'll uh, we'll mix an outro for the most part. This is kind of our outro since we're uh, yeah. doing something a little different. What's uh, Josh have to say about his bottom three predictions? Here we go. Year? All right. So obviously we talked about who's going to finish in the top four. So now we got to talk about who's going down. I think two names – really come to everybody's mind. First one being Cardiff, one of the new boys has to go down this year after last year, all three staying up. Obviously very unlikely circumstances, so I'm picking Cardiff to be the team who goes down. 
The other name coming to everybody's mind, Huddersfield Town. Obviously, I'm not going to pick them to go down. So I think new boys of last year, Brighton, will be the ones going down. And then the third team I'm picking is Watford. Teammates started off very strong last season, but really sputtered. Lost their best player to the transfer market. Obviously, arguably their best player. And I just think the Magic's kind of run out with Watford. Obviously, fired their coach. Maybe they shouldn't have. And I think that'll come back to bite them. So I think the suburban Londoners go down as well. That's who's going down. <laughs> wow, way to double summarize there at the end, Josh. Uh, that was great. If, if you'd um, seen the also, video, it would be even funnier. I, I was going to say, I have not watched the videos. Uh, you have the benefit of being able to see them as he's talking. What, what is he doing? He sounds like he's like walking laps around the track or something. Yeah, he's like walking park. through a parking garage. <laughs> Wow, bottom three uh, quality there for sure from our our correspondent Josh out in the field. Yeah. So let's let's talk about those bottom three predictions, uh, or just go ahead and jump into your bottom three. If you have any that are the same, uh, I wouldn't necessarily need to spend as much time talking on them. But any that are different, go ahead and uh, tell us why you think those instead of his picks. Yeah, very much Cardiff agreed. Uh, Huddersfield was also the second name that came to my mind. I hadn't thought about Watford, but I actually really. I actually am very intrigued by that pick of his now. The team that was coming to mind for me is one that would really pain me to go back down, but Newcastle. Um, Rafa Benitez, still the manager there. Uh, still not getting the money to buy the players, though. Um, you know, they made a couple small moves, but they're, they got a Solomon Rondon from Lone, from West Brom. Um, so, so I think he may be enough to keep them up, but I don't, he wasn't for West Brom. Um, so I, just, I, I worry about uh, the Geordies up there, the, the Magpies uh, of Newcastle. Um, I don't want to pick them, but that's the other name that came to my head. But I, 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 Josh's Watford call is actually a very good call when you when I think about it. Um, but yeah, I'll go with what I initially had thought and say Huddersfield, Newcastle, and Cardiff. But I don't want to see New, yeah. I don't want to see some of them go. I don't want to see Huddersfield and Newcastle go. The unofficial bottom three team of the bottom three, <laughs> Huddersfield Town, uh, on both of your lists. What, was it officially on Josh's list, or did he just mention them and said he wasn't going to pick You're them? right. He didn't really. He only picked two, really. Yeah. Um, so that would be really disappointing. Speaking of which, we have not bought our Huddersfield Town jersey yet <laughs> that we promised the listeners we would if Huddersfield Town did not get relegated last year, which they did not by the skin of their teeth. We need some Huddersfield fans um, to reach out to us and help us uh, work that out. Yeah, yeah. We we had in the shopping cart a like <laughs> youth medium <laughs> full kit or like a toddler kit yeah. that I thought would have been funny to like frame – uh, and obviously we couldn't wear it, but, uh, you guys, when you realized what I was saying I had in the car, you were like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I did notice though that their jerseys are much cheaper, uh, than some of the other ones <laughs> yeah. uh, for, for Liverpool. So not as bad to split, but maybe we'll just get this year's, uh, the shirt and we'll uh, figure that one out. Um, of course with bottom as the name and three as the number. For sure. Um, for my predictions, uh, and I got to be honest, I am doing this off the top of my head with no research done whatsoever. So I can't really knock Josh for his uh, lack of quality over there with his recording. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the Cardiff train and agree there. Um, I'll also jump on the Watford train, but I think just to be a little different, I will throw out Bournemouth. Yeah, as a possibility. 
That was what um, I looked at. And I'll just I'll just leave it there so we can continue on with these videos. I'm with it. So the next one from Josh, if I am reading this correctly, is his player of the year prediction, which I don't think we did last year. So uh, stepping up our game a little bit this year with a new type of prediction for player of the year. Well, we started mid-year, to be fair. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) So the other everything... So the other thing everybody keeps asking me is who's going to be player of the year. Obviously, with Man City winning, I have an easy okay, choice wait. there. Can you pause this real I quick? think Kevin De Bruyne. I'll rewind it here a little. Ever, well, okay. So first of all, he yeah. screws up. Does keeps not going. Stop and re-record. He just laughs it off and keeps going. Which yeah. I kind of respect actually after laughing at him a little bit. As he's like walking so with flip flops. What I'm unsure of though are the pe- who are these people that are asking him all these questions? Yeah. <laughs> oh, too great! He almost says it with a smile too, as if he knows that what he's saying is sounding completely ridiculous. All right, sorry. Uh, I'm gonna take it all the way back to the beginning. Our friend Josh, but uh, go ahead with that again. Player of the year. So the other everything. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing everybody keeps asking me is who's going to be player of the year. Obviously, with Man City winning, I have an easy choice there. I think Kevin De Bruyne will take on the crown. Arguably should have had it last year. Most Salah had a freakishly good season. I think Salah has a good season. Don't know if it's good enough to overtake De Bruyne this year. So going with the easy pick, I think De Bruyne is going to win. Some other sleepers, I think maybe this is the year. I obviously have Manchester United still finishing good. As he just Maybe De Gea does enough to uh, get his name up in the mix. Um, other sneaky picks, I have Arsenal doing well as well. Aaron Ramsey, maybe. What? Um, with uh, Wilshire leaving, he's kind of the guy there in the midfield. Maybe Aaron Ramsey will make a name for himself. And of all the Liverpool players, I don't think it's most Salah this year. I think it's actually Firmino who makes the best run at him. So that is my take on Player of the Year. Um, unfortunately, I think De Bruyne is going to win it. He chugged an angry orchard mid Mid answer for all of so, you wondering what that pause was for. Up, laughs it off, keeps going, makes up the fact that people are asking him who's going to be player of the year in the English Premier League this year. Keeps recording through an ambulance driving by by the sound of it, or at least a cop car. Chugs a drink in the middle of the video. So here's my prediction for who's going to be the least valuable member of the bottom three by the end of the season. Josh Lamping, that's my that's my lock pick for for least valuable and most likely to get relegated from the podcast. Oh. What do you think about his uh, his uh, player of the year prediction, Con? Kevin DeBrett. I mean, that's the majority pick. That's the safe bet. Um, I I have not really thought about this one too much. I'll go for Salah again because again, I do think Liverpool will win. I think a sneaky pick for me might actually one I thought about, and I'm probably not the only one. Uh, uh, Naby Keita, um, being the midfielder, uh, could really make the push for this. Just the dynamism he's going to add because he's going to score some goals. He'll also be you know defensively stout, pressing, and winning the ball back high to create those assists and goal uh, and goal scoring opportunities. I, uh, that that might be my that's my dark horse pick for Naby Keita. Wow, that would uh, that would be. Something first year over here. First year did it last year. But, uh, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility by any means. Who are um, you going I with? would tend to lead towards a repeat for Mohamed Salah. Um, again, kind of a homer pick. Um, I was going to quickly look up the 
um, the predictions. The betting for, odds. Yeah, the betting odds. Do it. So forgive me while I do that. Um, if you want, uh, go ahead and play Josh's video for the Golden Boot uh, winner prediction. As it, the, the freeze frame of the start of it is him sitting under the breach umbrella. That last video, he was walking to the beach, clearly, and now he's <laughs> under the beach umbrella. So the last thing people want to ask me is, Josh, who do you think is going to be the Golden Boot winner? That only getting more a couple obvious choices. Harry Kane coming to mind at first, but obviously I'm not picking him to win. The other one, <laughs> last year's winner, Mo Salah. I think Salah does have a really good season because Liverpool's got more attacking options, and I think that will lead to more chances ultimately, but um, it's just hard to recreate as many goals as he did. Last season, even though I did make fun of him for missing a lot of easy ones, so who knows? But I don't want to go chalk. I know Colin's going to pick Salah, so I'm not going to pick him. I think I am going to go with an answer that Colin will hate. Romelu Lukaku had a really good World Cup, um, showed some sparks there, and as I said, I think I'm betting a lot on the United is not terrible train, and if they are not, I think that means Lukaku's going to score a bunch of goals. So ultimately, I think Romelu Lukaku will claim the golden boot. There you have it. Uh, Josh's closet main Unitedness is actually is coming out here in this pod, huh? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, I don't see it being Lukaku just because I don't think United will play in a way that will enable him to score all the goals, and I don't think he's their penalty taker. I could be wrong, um, but neither was Salah last year, to be fair. Um, uh, yeah, I, I lean towards either Mo Salah or we we all picked, actually ended up picking Arsenal to, to surprise people this year. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, would be a dark horse pick for me here in the Golden Boot. Um and maybe not a dark horse as a word, but you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say him because I think Arsenal will score goals. I think they'll have to to get the points because they're not the best at the back. So I'll go for Obama Yang and, and shock Josh there. Uh, but I think Salah won't be too far behind. Yeah, I'm not gonna worry about making a pick here because it's Salah for me. Uh, so I'm not gonna yeah. talk too much about that. But I will bring up the betting odds for a few of the things that we just discussed. sure. So this particular site, uh, at least on the page that I'm looking at does not have odds for player of the year, but it does have odds for uh, the winner, which by default would also kind of have like top four um, relegation and also goal scorer. So they're the betting odds uh, favor for top four man city first Liverpool second man United third and Chelsea fourth, which I thought was interesting given that none of us picked Chelsea to finish in the top four. And it sounds like all of us kind of have them finishing sixth. Um, They have fifth as Tottenham by a small margin and then Arsenal sixth with Everton seventh. Yeah. The odds I had seen were Chelsea and Tottenham were very tight. And if I'm reading this correctly, Oh, the, uh, wow. They have Wolves and Everton essentially tied to finish after Arsenal. That doesn't surprise me. They, they both spent some money saying Wolves will be put Wolves spent money last year, they spent more money this year. I, I think they, that's that could be very well the case. Yeah, that one will be interesting to look out for. Uh relegation. Cardiff coming in with the most likely uh next up with Huddersfield and after that Watford. So well done. Oh, there you go. There. Never mind, Josh just went for the betting odds. He went for chalk apparently. I didn't know that Watford was that obvious a pick. I guess I'm a bad <laughs> bad researcher. Or I didn't do any research, let's be honest. <laughs> uh 
Uh, next next closest would be Brighton, and then Fulham, then Burnley, then Bournemouth. So Fulham's my my prediction uh, a little far off from the betting odds. It's not a bad pick though. I mean, Bournemouth cherry is going to burst at some point. So <laughs> instead of <laughs> see what I did there because they're the pop. cherries because <laughs> they're the cherries, and instead of bursting their bubble, and then it's also an innuendo. So hey, <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> Uh, and then finally wrapping up these betting odds with the goal scorers, Harry Kane, uh, with 10 to 3 odds, Mohamed Salah with 28 to 5 odds, uh, Aubameyang next, then Aguero, then Lukaku. There you go. There you have it. All right. Well, we need to wrap this up because, uh, you said a while ago it was already at an hour five and we got, we went a little further. So let's, uh, remind the folks real quick where they could follow us on social media. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At the bottom three pod, three is a number. Follow us, uh, subscribe, and like and listen and all that. Uh, don't forget to comment questions for us on both um, iTunes and SoundCloud. We really appreciate that. I'd also like to give a special quick shout out to a consistent listener um, that we have who almost every week, uh, it seems, likes our episodes on SoundCloud. Um, a gentleman by the name of Alexander, uh, just want to give you a shout out and say thank you for your continued support. Um, I, I see you out there <laughs> consistently liking the episodes and listening every week. So thanks for that. Yes, um, Alexander. Yeah, Alexander, if you got a question for us, hit us up, man. Leave us a comment and, uh, we'll, we'll try to answer it for you. Um, other listeners, be more like Alexander. He's setting a great example. <laughs> But uh, anyway, Colin, if there's uh, anything you want to want to leave with um, before the uh, start of this Premier League season, anything you want to say as kind of like a final note before we kick it off this weekend? I teased a little bit earlier, but no matter who you support, um, the the eve before the season kicks off, may all your hopes and dreams uh, still burn strongly in your heart and your head, and uh, anything is possible. The season is finally back. Our weekend mornings can now be filled with sitting in front of the TV and watching the drama that is the Premier League. And then your following weeks can be spent listening to our podcast, liking, subscribing, and commenting questions on social media. Uh, We will do our best to provide some quality analysis. uh, And we also hope we've done all we could this week and for the remainder of the weeks for the Premier League season to not get relegated. Uh, Thanks, guys, and we'll catch you next week.